Hello and welcome to Behind the Health Statistic. My name is Ricky Hallier and I'm a lecturer at Cardiff University School of Healthcare Sciences. Following on from Danny Kelly's interview with Dr. Alison Twycross, um, I'm now going to speak to Lisa Gill about her lived experience of long COVID. Hiya, morning Lisa, are you okay? Morning Ricky, I'm good, thank you, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks so much for agreeing to do this. It's, it really means a lot to us and I know it means a lot to like the students listening and to people listening. So yeah, thank you for sharing this with us. So the first sort of question I want to ask you, if that's all right, is tell me a little bit about yourself and what life was like before COVID, if you like. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I certainly led a very, very busy life, as do most of us uh, these days. Um, and, and very active. I, I work for a, an organisation called MPCT and I have a very busy job, uh, but extremely rewarding and work with an amazing team uh, delivering sort of innovative training to 16 to 19 year olds and it's employability training and I head up the um, maths and English department so as you can imagine it's uh, an extremely busy job but as I said very very rewarding so on top of that um, extremely active fit in the gym at least five days a week. Uh, husband, you know, calls me the gym bunny, uh, sort of lifting weights, keeping healthy, um, healthy BMI, healthy body fat around 19, 20%. Um, eat good foods, eat rubbish foods as well at times, yeah. but, you know, try to do everything in moderation. Super busy um, social life always out I'm really at home you know I've got walking on the weekends love going out with my friends um, I do have a, an avid nickname called rent a friend because if there's a party an event I'm, I'm there um, and yeah just just really fit healthy and busy and I think I was I've been sort of thinking about this quite a lot and and last year I can't quite remember when it was I think it was May time with work we undertook a um, a charity event for NHS charities and it was called Race Around the World and with that staff and, and um, our students took part in a 19-day running, walking, exercising event and I set my own challenge to run um, a minimum of 100 miles in that period and I did it, I smashed it um, and actually exceeded that and, and it actually on day 19 I run a half marathon, I'd never run a half marathon prior to that never trained for it or anything so I think that's just sort of putting into context how sort of active and fit I was really yeah definitely it's not like you had like time to sleep or anything really you know? <laughs> I, yeah oh, I, I wish I could have half your you know that, that sort of like enthusiasm for exercise and stuff <laughs> but, but the things have changed a bit so Lisa so what when did like COVID first impact you then, the, the acute phase? What, what happened then? Um, it was mid-December and it was completely out of the blue. Um, like many of us, I thought, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get it. I was rigidly following the rules, abiding by, you know, abiding by everything, um, really taking care of myself and... And, and I thought, oh, well, even if I do get it, you know, I'm, I'm not young, but I'm fit, I'm healthy, I'll be okay, you know, I'll be okay. Um, two weeks and, and it'll all be done. So 
it was actually the time where we had a little bit of um, freedom, as it were. And I met my friends for brunch and we went into Cardiff and I, I was just feeling a little bit sort of under the weather in the morning, but, but not really under the weather as such, just really cold and couldn't warm up. But that's not unusual for me. I'm, I am a bit of a, a, you know, a cold person. Um, and I went out and we sat and we had a lovely time and um, it, was, it was the three of us and I came back home and uh, got back in the house and just that that sense of of cold wouldn't shift and I start during the, the sort of brunch I started feeling a bit and well sort of as if I had a bit of a cold coming on and I was tired but I I hadn't slept particularly well the week leading up to that particular Saturday and I just thought I was a bit tired so I came home um, went to bed uh, you wrapped up and um, still couldn't get warm had a hot shower still couldn't get warm and and that sort of just I followed what would probably now be seen as a typical pattern um so my my temperature was definitely high that evening um and just feeling like I had fluey like a flu no cough nothing else the following day the cough started and yeah I just started feeling that was where I thought mm, okay something's not yeah. quite right here um so yeah the Monday uh, I went for a test and, and lo and behold uh I I tested I tested positive and the sort of the, the symptoms then began really I would I, I mean I drove myself to the test center and that was sort of day three um and I, I was you know I was okay and um, and then I started having this unusual change in my smell and taste. And actually that started the previous day and it was almost like metallic. I know that sounds really weird, but almost like a silvery metallic taste in my mouth. And that then led to um, complete loss of smell, taste, loss of appetite, high temperatures spiking all over the place, um, Muscle, fa muscle fatigue, weakness, and just that general flu symptom. So, I was, of course, I was isolating in the bedroom, totally unable to sort of look after myself and do take any, you know, care of myself with regards to, to food, not what I wanted to eat, um, and actually didn't eat much and lost, I think it was around half a stone in, in 10 days, which is oh is quite a lot of weight for, for somebody my, my, my size, really. Um, and yeah, the, the coughing, the dizziness, the breathlessness, all the common things happened during that initial phase, really. And it was, it was very scary. And, you know, a couple of evenings or nights or days, I can't really remember what, what time of day it was, because it was all a bit of a blue, if I'm honest, um, just lying in bed, panicking in when you're struggling to breathe it, you know it really is quite frightening and um one of my friends had covid uh, sort of last last year the sort of early set uh, onset of of us knowing about it really so she was my my go-to guru because I was avoiding googling for all yeah. the obvious reasons you know you don't want to scare yourself there's a lot of misinformation out yeah. there and I just thought, you know what, I've just got to get through this. And and but there was weird things, and I developed it. My skin became very sensitive initially, and just thought it was something new I'd worn or whatever. And 
and then a, a really strange rash appeared on my, my chest area and it was almost like a, a measles rash to begin with but then it became blistery um really strange and I, you know I certainly didn't associate that with COVID but I messaged my friend Claire and she said yeah 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 she had a similar thing so yeah she was she was sort of my my guru really um and other things then like hair loss so my hair started falling out I, I've been lucky I haven't lost as much hair as, as other people have that I've been in touch with um and and I think just that at that point, it was an awful lot of sleep, but I think that's inevitable when your body, when you have a virus. And sleeping, I would say, fourteen hours of a night, and then you know another couple of hours during the day. Really, that's where that the whole day, night, evening all merged, yeah. sort of moved into one. Really, and and I would say at around day nine, I started feeling okay. This is. I'm getting somewhere, I'm feeling a bit bright. I was getting a bit fed up of being isolated in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, and day 10 was coming and, and that was Christmas Eve and it was all you know very optimistic and still couldn't taste anything much. I could taste strong flavours, so very sweet, very salty or very spicy. So I, I sort of lived on um, jammy dodgers. It? <laughs> it's okay, yeah. <laughs> With jammy dodgers and beef hula hoop. Yeah. But if you think of those products, they're, they're highly sweet and highly salty, yeah. certainly not nutritious. But um, my husband was very keen to force me, feed me with anything, really, just to have some some form of, of calories and try and have, have energy. So Christmas came and went. And, um, yeah, it wasn't the best. And um, a lot of that time was as was the previous sort of 10 days spent in bed. Um, but I thought, I thought things were changing, you know, I thought this is, I'm just getting better. I'm still feeling a little bit tired because I've had a virus. Certainly what, you know, I, I'm lucky. Um, many people were hospitalized and many people have, have, you know, lost their lives to this virus. And I'm, I'm extremely thankful and grateful that I, I've come out the other end, you know, and I, yeah. I, I hold on to that thought all the time. So I had quite moderate, I would say, sort of initial um, symptoms. They certainly weren't mild. And we've had, we had some scary moments where, um, you know, we thought we'd have to fall in the ambulance, um, but we didn't. And I'm lucky, I, you know, I guess... I live with somebody who's got some background that could help me in that in that um, sort of phase and, and continue um, to help me. But I honestly thought it was shifting and um, I did manage, I think, one or two very short walks, um, no longer than sort of 300 metres, um, but was all set to return to work then in the new year. I would. It's, it's just, you know, quite often... We we talk about things like you know almost feeling like a like a car crash, but that's hit you for six, isn't it? You know, like you said, you've gone from this really active life to something so debilitating, even acute. Can I ask you, you? You you said something in there. You said that you know sometimes you felt really scared. I I noticed that this might sound like an odd question, but, but what was scaring you, and, and why were you feeling that? I think it was the the struggling to breathe. Yeah. And 
you know, you, you, I know I could breathe, but then it that almost exacerbated the situation because I, I'd start to panic and I undoubtedly had a few panic attacks. Um, and you know, your brain is telling you to slow down, you know, control your breathing. And, 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 and of course you're doing all this and you're on your own, you're in a yeah. room, you can't, can, you know, you can't physically connect with someone. Um, and yeah, you're, you're afraid. And, and because so many people had lost their lives or yeah. ended up in ITU, I want, you know, that was, I must say, that was definitely there in the back of my mind, you know, it, hopeful that I wouldn't get there, but fearful that I might because yeah. I kept deteriorating. And that deterioration happened so quickly. I on that day three of just feeling, yeah, I don't feel particularly well to bam, you know, and, yeah. and God, if I've gone downhill this quickly to this stage, how quickly can I go from this to needing ITU care, you know? Yeah. And that's what was really scary, really. And that's why I, I avoid, I, I can't even tell you when I, I last watched the news. Yeah. I just can't go there, you know, um, and certainly at that time I wasn't. Because that that was that's funny enough. That was it's, um, you said that just as it entered my head. I thought, I suppose like unlike other illnesses you might have, there's not that constant bombardment on the media about it, which there would have been. Yeah. Whereas you couldn't have turned the telly on, but no. for not seeing the worst case scenarios, I must have, you know. Absolutely. And and everywhere. It was everywhere, you know, all over social media. I mean, I was I was too unwell anyway to sort of engage in my normal social media activity. <clears throat> Excuse me. But of course, when I was awake, I, I just I wanted a bit of company. So I would I would turn the TV on. And yeah, you know, it's just having to turn over channels all the time um, because it's. It, been really lonely and it continues to be really lonely. And that that's one of the things that has been the biggest struggle, I think, that no one's got answers for you. Um, you want answers, but you understand that, you know, this is such a new virus that all the healthcare professionals and researchers, are, you know, are just doing their best. They just don't know. It doesn't help <laughs> because, you know, whenever you're ill, you want answers, you want that rolled out. And, and I'm, you know, I'm very much a, all about the positive and yeah. self-help and, um, you know, doing things what I can, because that's what healthcare is about. It's it's not about, uh, you know, the doctor tells you to do something, you do it. You have to take responsibility for your own health. Yeah. Um, but it's just not having the answers to help you in that journey, really. Yeah, and that sounds like... Because obviously, you know, we've, we've only met today, but just speaking to you, obviously, pre-COVID, that's a big part of how you are. It seems to have come across that you were very conscious about being proactive and looking after your health. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a big switch then, isn't it, from being proactive to, to sort of that uncertainty? Huge, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's that... And then the gradual sort of, <clears throat> excuse me... Um, the realization that things weren't right. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me a second. It's fine. Came, um, I would say probably about three weeks um, yeah. after the initial infection when I was trying to return to work. 
it was quite gradual um and i i would try to return to work in the in the new year and um you know i sat when i'm at um, saturday actually talking to you in my little sort of home home office area and just just couldn't do it um you know the struggling to breathe my my cough was still persistent at that stage um had the other weird and wonderful things start to develop uh, the change in the voice um so my, my voice became quite raspy husky um a different pitch I didn't have the inability to adjust my tone intonation couldn't raise my voice my husband's quite glad of that <laughs> <laughs> excuse me um and and that was that was a real struggle and I think it was at day three I was on um a, a team meeting and and my manager was je- was just absolutely amazing and he actually saw me through the screen for the first time and he said right you've got to stop you know you're just not well enough um just you know if, if you want to try again next Monday but you really need to rest and, and look out look after yourself so I did um tried again the following Monday I I'm not even sure I got got to 10 11 o'clock and and just so I, I just don't think I can do this and that for me it was a sense of guilt um right. broad you know that whole oh, come on you know other people have got through this this is ridiculous I'm three weeks why you know lots of people not lots of few people in work has had covid um and yeah it's just a really 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 weird emotions I guess because you know I, I love my job and I you know I'm all about my job and and you know because we really I believe make a difference to, to young people's lives and and you know I just yeah that guilt I think more than anything it's like well why why can't I do this this is ridiculous you know other people have got through this and just feeling yeah fraud just really really fraud but yeah I took the decision through a discussion with my manager and and, and the HR director that I I needed I needed to rest yeah. I needed him off really and um, and that defeat didn't come easy to me because I'm certainly not a quitter um, I you know I keep going and, and and push through and push through all the time um, but I I needed to you know I I needed to look after me really um, and then slowly but surely. Um, numerous other sort of symptoms started developing and really unusual ones that you know I I certainly would never have have associated with COVID and um, you know again avoided googling unless until I experienced something and then I thought okay I need to find out if this is or is it something different because a sense of health anxiety kicks in pretty soon <clears throat> and you almost become you try not to be but you almost become over anxious about things that are happening to your body and um I, I think I'm over 40 odd symptoms now and, and some of those have included um uh, uh I think they call it like the COVID tongue where I had like white like white bumps all over my tongue yeah. and my tongue felt enlarged and whether it was but it felt enlarged in in my mouth and it was 
huge thirst um, that is you just can't satisfy um, pins and needles. That was a really worrying one for me because it, it was in my arms, arms and legs predominantly. And I, I didn't panic initially, but then it developed in my mouth, my tongue. Right, yeah, yeah. This, this was around, around week seven, and that was the first time I actually contacted the GP. So I had any contact prior to that. <clears throat> excuse me and um but I got a little bit worried <clears throat> excuse me because I, you think mm, pins and needles never a good yeah, sign yeah uh, certainly if they're in the mouth area but but surprise surprise it was then becoming quite common with people who were, were experiencing long covid yeah I was also getting numbness with that so numbness on my um the outside of my my arms my right arm and left arm um and yeah my, my the gp was really good really good at that point and said yeah i think we i think you probably do have you know long long covid um and it was that sort of stage that um i experienced some really really scary moments um of of collapsing really um i recall one evening because during all this time, you know, I've been bedridden. There's, you know, it's not even just house bound. I'm yeah. bed during this all this time, and um, trying to walk to the, um, the the ensuite and collapsing, and it's it's, it's probably about eight feet away from the bed, and um, so I called downstairs to my husband, and again, it was all a bit a bit of a blur. And by the time he'd he'd got up the stairs, you know, I'm sort of tearing at my clothes and all at my clothes and almost um not aware that I'm doing it but taking my clothes I'm I'm just this raging raging heat through my body um it was obviously my temperature spiking not not really being aware of where I was and um yeah luckily he you know he knows what to do so he took care of me and all was good again you know a couple of hours afterwards and another occasion um, where uh, I was I was able to shower and, and I can't remember how many weeks in this was, and I sort of got in the shower and just thought, oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna faint, and I thought I was gonna faint, collapse again, and sort of sat down on, wrapped myself in the towel and sat on on the loo, and thought, oh, I really just don't feel well, and again shouted to the hubby and came up and. I sort of really scared myself because I looked down and my feet had gone completely blue. Oh, my word. I was feeling so faint. And it was really scary because, you know, you think, what on earth is this? What, you know, what is happening? Why? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm quite pale anyway, but to see your feet blue is not, not a sight you, yeah. you want to see. But, um, but, yeah, again, you know, just had to lie on the floor in the ensuite because, I, yeah, I was, I was passing out. And, again, five, ten minutes later, I was okay. Carried me off, shook me back to bed, and um, and there I was. So, yeah, there's been some really weird, weird symptoms that you, you know, you wouldn't wouldn't associate. And, and you know, joint pain, nerve pain has been one. Um, joint pain is continuing. I've developed a frozen shoulder. Um, it's just strange. It's just a strange yeah. old thing. I tell you what's, what's odd about it as well, and 
and I, I think you touched on it, because it's not well documented, because we don't know much about it, I suppose sometimes when we're going through like different symptoms and stuff, if we know it's a normal part of a disease process, you can accept it. Yeah. Whereas it's so, like you said, you're just looking at it and all of a sudden your feet turn blue. I don't think the anxiety that must cause because it's not documented and and there's no way you can really look with a degree of certainty and say this is normal this is okay no and I think that I, I I couldn't agree more with you you know I if somebody could tell me at the start of the journey and even now this will happen this will happen this will happen but by month three four five six seven, whatever you're going to be fully recovered you, you're going to be back to your full you know up and about and go get them type of <clears throat> excuse me personality and abilities then yeah it, it's it's that whole and it's a real cliche to say roller coaster of emotions but it really is because for the vast majority of the time you know I'm hugely positive extremely grateful you know that I'm here to be able to tell my story and tell my tale um, and very optimistic that I will come out of this. You know, I think the only certainty is uncertainty with re regards to when, um, but I know I will. And it's, but there's been some dark times, you know, where you, you sit and you just think, well, what what's the point? You know, when you... When your life exists, and, and I don't want this to sound like, oh, whoa, me, because there are hundreds, well, thousands of people, 100,000 people reported to have long COVID. So this is not just me. Um, you know, when your life is is totally housebound, predominantly bedbound, you know, 80% of the time, where the, the thing you have to look forward to is, ah, oh, will I wake up today or tomorrow well enough to sit in the garden that's a daunting prospect you know but yeah. but but it's an improved prospect and the biggest thing for me and for many long haulers as we referred to is um fatigue yeah and um it's the word i've misused that word over and over um in my lifetime and um, I actually ironically used it the day before I became symptomatic I was chatting to a colleague in work uh, who asked me oh you you know you going to the gym tonight because we, we use the same gym and I said oh no I'm feeling quite fatigued from Wednesday's session oh wow I didn't know what fatigue was yeah until, yeah and it's it's almost I believe it's all a really simple word to attach to this condition and, and, and other conditions like ME and post-viral fatigue. You know, I've been doing a lot of reading into that. And, and actually, you know, the people who know what they're talking about and making co strong correlations between the two um, sort of viruses and, and, and conditions. And, yeah, it, it almost my opinion needs re not reclassification but maybe we need to use a different word yeah. than this because I've heard people likening it and it's a really good analogy um 
to a battery, your battery life. So, you know, you, you wake up and you plug your phone in. So you imagine you've got a mobile phone and you plug your phone in of an evening, you go to bed and, and that battery charges overnight and, you, you know, you wake back up. But there's, there's only a certain amount of energy that you have in that battery. And the more you use it, the quicker that battery depletes. But what that theory, in my opinion, fails to acknowledge, you're never 100% charged. You never wake up with 100% in your battery life. So it's almost like that old Nokia that you've got in the back of your drawer, that if you looked at the health, your battery health, it's probably at 20 30%, 50% at best. So you're never starting at a hundred percent yeah and i heard i heard somebody and i forget his name so forgive me and I, I won't take credit for this but i just it really resonated with me the description of of how it feels and he and he's gone through he's had covid and has long covid and is thankfully coming out the other end 13 months longer and he's i'm sure he's the founder of the asex brand but i may be wrong um and he describes it as somebody coming along and reaching in and removing your spine. So you like that jellyfish that you see on the beach. Yeah. And honestly, that, that's what it's like because, you know, you can't even sit and hold your head up. Um, so even if you're sat on the sofa, you have to, or laying on the sofa, you have to have, you know, a cushion because you can't, you can't manage the weight of your own head so as, yeah. as much as the, the, the battery life is a really easy way of trying to understand what it's like for people what I think we have to understand is that you're not starting at 100% anyway uh, do you know what that's superb honestly such a yeah and it is something do you know what you know even with my health background I might use fatigue and actually, I, yeah, it, it should be a clinical term, shouldn't it, to describe a certain thing? And I, I think, yeah. Because honestly, it's if somebody if somebody says it's debilitating, disabling fatigue, because that's what it is. You know, yeah. we've all experienced fatigue in our life in different, but you know, various forms, and and whether we've overdone it in the gym or or whatever the activity or we've just become fatigued for whatever reason through illness or, or other things but it, it yeah it is debilitating and disabling fatigue and you never know what you how you're going to feel next day yeah. so I had a couple of good days um and you know I'm keeping everything crossed that it will continue but you know, again, another every certainty is another certainty. I beg your pardon. Is you're going to have relapses, and that's become. Don't want to accept it, but I have to accept it. That, you know, you'll have a couple of good days, and then you could be bedridden again for another week um, if you're not careful. This, they, they talk about this avoiding this boom and bust. Say they I'm referring to sort of the professionals and the advice they've had from the occupational therapist, who was amazing. Um, but how do you know what boom and bust is? You know, it, it's it's recommended you rest and work within your capabilities. But what I could manage last week, yeah, day I might not be able to. 
So it's really difficult to, to try and build on, well, okay, I was able to do that last week, you know, as in, I don't know, get out of bed by 12 o'clock or whatever and, and, and make myself a cup of tea and sit out the garden. But I might wake up today and not be able to get out of bed. So it's 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 really good advice and and you learn to read your own body quite quickly actually you know I know in the morning generally what type of day I'm going to have the moment I open my eyes because it's that I either can't lift my arm so that's it I know I'm in bed for the day or actually I I don't feel too bad here you know yeah it's funny you mentioned those good days because thinking about you pre-covid and that it really sounds like there's been some changes in just how you perceive health and what you perceive good days to be in that. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you sort of like, so what would you perceive a good day to be now then? Right, so um, every every day really begins with um, applying advice that, I, that I've learned and it evolves around the three Ps and it's the plan, prioritise, pace. Another way of looking at it, and that it, it makes a bit more sense to me, is the things that I have to do, I must do. And they are things like eating. And that's not cooking for myself because that's, you know, I couldn't, well, I could tell you when I last cooked. It was last December. Um, I can't, you know, prepare meals for myself. Um, but eating is one of those things you have to do. It's essential. Yeah. Um, the should do's um, is, yeah, I should I should shower, you know, because some days that's not even a must. Because some days when when you're bedridden and you you literally can't even walk, you know, you you have to use the lavatory, of course, but the showering even becomes and you know just unable to shower. Um, so that that fits much in that should, you know, I should should get dressed, I should shower, um, and, and that's about it. And then the want is the like to sit outside if I can today the sun is shining you know can I manage an hour outdoors because the fresh air is just amazing and particularly good for mood you know you sit and I'm lucky where I live I'm surrounded by you know lots of nature and birds bird song which you know obviously it helps everybody's moods I believe yeah and and other things like just the day-to-day stuff that you have to do you know you You've got bills to pay that, so, you know, you have to email somebody or, or even just text a friend or message a friend or speak to a friend. That is on that third list of the priority of a good day. Um, and those are the things that nor, during normal life, pre-COVID, are just so frivolous that things yeah. that you do with just totally unconsciously or having to give any thought you don't have to prioritize those things on a normal day you just get on and do it yeah you know it's really really strange it's funny that's what we you know um you know we'd say to a lot of our students especially the nursing students at the moment is is we talk about activities of living and that a disorder is not just about the the physical it's not about the physical it's all the activities that go alongside that. That, like you said, that paying bills. It's funny, like you said about priority. You know, in the past you've been healthy, and the, how you, you know, a good day after the gym and stuff like that. But actually, 
like you said, you would have thought even that's just life, isn't it? Whereas now that's an activity you have to sort to, to keep yeah. going, isn't it? You know, you know, a good day for me is get out of bed. Yeah. Even better day is out of bed by lunchtime. Um, and, the, you know, they are they are there. I, you know, I'm not going to sit and say they're not. They are. They are there. Um, I had a, a reasonably good run of things a couple of weeks ago. And every day I seem to be getting stronger. And I, I believe that was my turning point. And I, I just cursed myself and said, yeah, I was telling everyone, oh, you know, I'm feeling so much better. Now, my so much better is getting out of bed and being able to yeah. sit outside. But that's a positive. It steps in the right you know, in the right direction. And I thought, oh, I'll be back. I'll be back in work soon. You know, I'll, um, oh, you know, a couple more weeks and a couple more weeks like this and I'll be able to start my phased return. And um, yeah, you know, and you just hope that that's, that's gonna, gonna get you there. And I don't know whether I overdid it. Um, I, I, Cause that particular day, I remember the day I emptied the dishwasher. I was so pleased I could do that. And I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, see if I can dust the living room and I'm going to get that fluffy duster. And I, I you know, I'm going to talk dust is not my new, normal dust in terms, but you know, I gave it a go and I was back in bed for two weeks. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. There's definitely a part that, um, overdoing it plays. It's a boom and bust that yeah. I mentioned earlier, but there's certainly, a, I believe there's just unpredictability and, maybe that would have happened anyway because that has happened previously without me doing those things this relapse just seems to occur yeah. and I think those bad days are really quite difficult I think emotionally mentally you know that whole oh my gosh you know you you feel you're getting better you feel you're riding that, that the crest of the wave is it is that what it yeah, is yeah 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 you have to forgive me because the brain fog will, will start kicking in soon. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm doing really good. Um, and, yeah, and then, you know, you're on that high and you think this is this is it. This is your, your time, your turn. Yeah. And then you're back in bed for two weeks, you know, and it's just so emotionally draining, Um it's extremely lonely and for me you know this hugely social person um I just love being around people I'm a chatterbox as you can tell um and I just yeah I just love being in other people's presence and and to go from that to even you know I don't live on my own but even that feels lonely because a lot of the time you know I, I'm in the bedroom I'm, I'm I'm laid up in bed and my technology has actually been my window to the to the world you know I'm, yeah. I use my social media again I'm I'm mindful of of what I read um and what I don't read because I I yeah I've experienced those emotions of anger um you know when I I see people's photographs and they're blatantly not abiding by the rules and I yeah. know no it's so so difficult and and you know I really feel for young people that you know they've been vilified through all this you know and I, I really feel for them because 
it's been so difficult you know when you yeah. when you're in your teens it's, you're all about your friends yeah. you know that what is being for you at that that point in time but I, I get really frustrated and, and angry at times because I just think oh this is more than just the acute yeah. phase this I put my husband and I were speaking recently and and you know he's been speaking to other colleagues and this could, long COVID could turn out to be a, a bigger strain on the health and social care sector than the acute phase itself. I mean, there, as I said, reported 100,000 people in the UK with long COVID. Many of those are 12, 13 months still into, into long COVID and needing support from the NHS. And that costs money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's it, I, I think it's difficult, isn't it? And, you know, it is hard for people to see, but it's far more complex than when people simplify it as a virus. It, yeah. It's just more than a virus. It's more than an acute phase. You've got this long phase, the impact it has on people psychologically, socially, the workplace environment. But I, I tell you what, listening to you, Lisa, though, is, is one thing that really... I think it's going to be useful, one, for the students listening and people who might be going through a similar thing to you, is, is just how you you have got almost like a plan right in your head that seems to be coming across, is there's almost this acceptance. Like that three-piece thing, I, that's superb, I think, a way of, of viewing the world and, and how you can do stuff. And I think I think that's an amazing bit of advice, to be honest, for people, just mm. to, to think about things like that. The one thing, because I'm just mindful, I, I, do, I really don't want to wear you out I, I want to ask you just a couple more questions. You you mentioned work, yeah, and you mentioned Paul, your, your husband, who, who, who's a, he's a nurse, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And that's you know, so that got a bit of insight and stuff like that. How how and you mentioned sometimes you look at stuff. How are you being supported, and what support is there for you, if you know what I mean, in multiple different ways? What support have you got for this? Well, support from family and friends goes without saying. Um, yeah. You know, I could I could go on and on and on about that, but but I won't because they know the support they're giving me, and and you know for that I'll be forever grateful. Um, it, it's been phenomenal. Um, work has been amazing. Um, you know, I, I I said earlier that that you know I don't live for work. Seems quite a a cliche, but for me, work is so much more than work. It's a real it's a vocation and I you know I love what I do and it also serves a very social purpose for me yeah. well and um you know I've missed that as of many people with having to be working from home and the like over the last year um but they really have been so so supportive because one of my biggest fears has been losing my job and the impact that has you know on on lifestyle paying the bills, paying the mortgage, you know, I had these fretful, fearful moments of, oh, I'm going to have to sell the house. Um, you know, we need the two salaries coming in, as do most people, to maintain, you know, the lifestyle that we've got. But they've been extremely reassuring. Um, I'm furloughed, so I'm having my salary. I touch base with them. My manager's been amazing. Um, 
so as other colleagues um one of my my best friends actually gary he's a colleague he there's not a day that goes by that he hasn't touched base with me i mean literally since i was diagnosed with covid and he's he's been my little savior bless him you know he's that, that again that keeping in touch with with the outside world but with regards to support elsewhere that it's extremely limited my gp has been wonderful as in um very receptive to you know having conversations and i've had very few as i said it was it was weeks seven before i even established contact but she's you know she she called me in she sent me for some blood tests did my oxygen sats um uh, chest x-ray surprise surprise they all come back clear because that is what is happening with this this virus is that because it's, it's, it's multi-organ um, um so it's not just respiratory um you know the joints and everything else and neurological stuff that's going on with it which causes the nerve pain that's not going to be picked up with you know bloods and, and an x-ray you know but they can only do what they can do within the realms of the knowledge and research that supports that. Um, so I was referred to the uh, Long Covid Hub, which is um, uh, an online sort of support, really, which is multidisciplinary. So I originally had a consultation with an occupational therapist who was wonderful. And at the stage I was at that time, it's extremely helpful in understanding what was going on. She had experienced it herself, so she was, you know, she could absolutely empathise. Acceptance. She was the person that actually really got me to this place of, I just got to stop beating myself up and accept that this is what it is and I have to rest because unlike other um <clears throat> excuse me conditions viruses and the like where healthcare's healthcare professionals are advised to support patients to work through the fatigue because the lack of exercise exacerbates the fatigue it's become very clear very early thankfully that that advice was wrong and they were giving people that advice last year whereas now it's no stop rest you know, don't work, don't, you know, don't do the things that you don't have to do. Um, but there's there's very little um, support. I, I I was initially discharged, but I've been re-referred now to the dietitian because having done a lot of my own research, I'm taking numerous vitamins and minerals, um, antihistamines. I'm applying an anti-inflammatory diet principle. Um, there's some research to suggest it helps, but again, not enough. So don't know whether it's working or not, but I'll try anything that that will, will help. But it's a real postcode lottery because healthcare in England, or NHS England, actually have established long COVID clinics. There aren't, I was going to say there aren't any in Wales. There is one actually in Cardiff, um, but you can only access that if you're, part of that sort of health board yeah. and by all accounts there is no plans for the Welsh government to actually have them so there's a lot of lobbying taking place in the Senate um, to encourage the Welsh government to follow 
in the footsteps of of NHS England really and have you know have that um actual clinics where where people can attend and you have that one-stop shop again I'm 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 extremely fortunate I have um private health care through work as, a, as an employee benefit and I'm I'm actually utilizing that at the moment with um through chiropractic with my frozen shoulder and I'm actually seeing a respiratory specialist in May and the GP has also recommended maybe seeing a rheumatologist for the fatigue side of things as well. But I, I wait to see what this consultant says and then and then go from there. So there's unfortunately there's just a real lack of of support out there. And maybe it is due to lack of education, understanding, I'm not sure what really, but there's just not enough enough there. I actually joined a, a Facebook group called Long COVID Wales and again avoided groups like that for the reasons I've already mentioned and but they've been really really useful really helpful and and um, that's where I'm, I'm picking up lots of um, links to podcasts that I've subsequently watched and, and, and found out about the 3P principles and how to, to try and manage your own symptoms and support yourself and, and support each other and I'm, I'm careful of what I read there as well because you know tragically there are some people who are as I said 13 months in and still extremely unwell and I just don't want to allow myself to go there emotionally because the thought of being like this for another you know seven months or whatever it is is just soul destroying yeah it sounds to me though, um, you know, about moving forward with stuff. It's, it's, we use the term resilience a lot, right, in healthcare. I'll be honest, not a term I particularly like because, because you know, like you said, fatigue. Mm-hmm. I think resilience is often misused. And when people say resilience, I often feel like, you know, that film Wonder Woman, where she's <laughs> walking and all the bullets are hitting it, and people think that's what resilience is. But I, my feeling is that. That shouldn't be resilience. And you're doing the right thing, actually, of almost thinking resilience is about just marching forward in the face of adversity. It's working out. Hang on, how can I just stop, put the shield down, set aside, have a think about what I want to do next? How am I going to manage this? And this is what allows me to move forward and stuff. So I think what you've given, you know, is so much good good advice as you've been talking for people and and, and everything. I, I... can I ask you one quick last question? Yeah, of course. Like I said, you talked about sort of like your healthcare professionals. With your experience going forward now, if you could give one ditty of advice to any healthcare professional who encounters someone with long COVID and symptoms such as yours, well, what would you advise? What would you have you got any advice for them? I have actually. Yeah, it's it's please be assured we don't expect you to have all the answers we don't we we know we are part of this solution to move forward to enable people who are behind us to have a better experience but just please listen and accept that you know if if somebody is is describing a symptom that may just seem really bizarre and not known um it's happening to them 
yeah. they are experiencing that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's their experience, it's their, their lives. Isn't it? Lisa, I just want to say thanks so much. That, that's honestly been so, it's been superb. You're absolutely superb with it. And, and I know that people listening to it, like I said, from our students, from people listening to it, are going through similar experiences to you, or for people who've just got a general interest in it, are going to learn so much from it. So I can't thank you enough, Lisa. Oh, you're you're um, welcome. Um, I'm I'm just glad to be part of the solution. You know, it's um, I've I've struggled to share my story. Very few people even know I had COVID, let alone have long COVID. And um, but you know what? You can't sit back and grumble to say that people aren't listening if you're not part party to that helping to educate others in in how it feels. So yeah, I'm 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 grateful I could be here today and and, and help you. Oh, lovely. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks a lot. So a massive thank you to Lisa for sharing her story with us. Um, like me, I'm sure you'll agree that it's a really powerful and valuable insight into what it's like to have long COVID. And again, I'd just like to say thank you to Alison for sharing her experience with Danny in episode one. If you'd like more information on long COVID, please look at the NHS website. And just to finish off, um, we'd just like to share with you a poem written by Lisa and spoken in her own words, which captures some of her thoughts and experiences. Thank you for listening. Brunching, laughter, but little did I know. Fever soaring, invisible threat spreading, like a weeping willow. Deeper and deeper, into the core, off to the test centre, I must go. Days are long, nights even more, loneliness experienced like never before. Struggling to breathe, coughing intense, collapsing when trying to walk, makes no sense. Taking a shower, feet turning blue, am I hallucinating or is this true? Fatigue and exhaustion betray every sinew, emotions, fear, tears anew. Memory lapses, inability to think, Reduce cognition, deeper and deeper I sink. Gazing at wilderness that cannot be reached. You'll be fine, don't worry, I hear them preach. Two weeks they say and all will be done. But what has become of the forgotten ones? Try to stay positive, they also say, for tomorrow will be a better day. Two weeks, four weeks, ten weeks, I can't no more. Numbness, nerve and joint pain galore. Not felt before. Rashes, blisters, white tongue, white bumps on my tongue. What has this healthy body become? If this is being, I don't want to be. I'm struggling to identify with the real me. A roadmap for some, but not for all. Will they stand by and watch me fall? Vaccine rolled out as we write a new chapter. Will I also get my happy ever after? My mind playing tricks like a brilliant magician, only to confuse a confusing situation. Feel stronger today, be back in work soon, but then from nowhere, sonic boom. Like a fragile candle flame that needs protecting from the wind, the desire for normality, never to rescind. Longing for outdoors and the positively mundane, cooking and cleaning will never be the same. A newfound desire for the simple things in life, because once taken away, they cut like a knife. The need to push forward inch by inch, keep looking forward, the future is mine to clinch. The highs and the lows of a turbulent sea, no sense, no purpose, no productivity. 
whose symptoms experience are difficult to accept, deep dive into resilience and find in new depths. Outrage, self-pity and doubt explored, sometimes feeling I can't take anymore. Tears from nowhere, what's become of ice queen, emotions displayed, never before experienced nor seen. I will not be victim, it's not in my nature. Come on, ice queen, don't be a stranger. The world keeps turning in its newfound state. For that, I am grateful. Let this not be your fate. I count my blessings for every day I awake. Others not so lucky, their lives they forsake. Follow the guidelines as tough as they seem for a future full of happiness and all that you dream. A future you can influence, others not. Please be grateful for the opportunity you've got. Life has changed in so many ways, but our future is bright full of better days. Let's take a moment to remember lives lost, ensure they are honoured and never forgot.